Well, good morning everyone. It's lovely to be back in the building. It's lovely to see your faces, even if it's behind us. Um, I hope that you've had a great start to the year. I don't think Marilyn and Charles have had such a great start. Um, and I'd like to make a special call out to um, Bev and Greg, who, who were married um, nearly two weeks ago. So congratulations. Sisters, 2022 is gearing up to be a very important year at Women's Church. We are going to get our spiritual hearts in shape. Have you ever been dismayed by a brother or sister in Christ? Something they've said or done or not done? I certainly have. And as much as I don't like to admit it, I am absolutely sure there have been many times when people have been dismayed by me. Every time, for every person, it would have been a heart matter. Everything we do flows from our heart. This year, we may hear things that are going to be difficult to hear. The state of our heart will be revealed by our reactions to what we hear. Will we react in anger or in thankfulness? Will we be prideful or humble? Will we run from the truth or embrace it? Churchgoer, pew warmer, hypocrite, no, no and no again. We want to be authentic followers of Jesus. We want to conform to his ways. Our hearts need to be in good shape. No time like the present to look into God's word and use it as a mirror to reveal the state of our hearts. Then do something about it. I'll begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you give each of us a softened heart to learn from your word this morning. Make us eager to wise up so to better live the life you have planned for us. May what I speak be your truth. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, wise up, it says up there on the screen. Now that's something I wouldn't normally say. It's, I know what it means, but it's not, I sort of, sort of knew what it meant. But it's not something I would normally use. So I double-checked its meaning. It means to start to understand a situational fact and believe what you hear about it, even if it is difficult or unpleasant. Wow. That's a good title for today. I'm touching on a very, very small part of James's letter. I'm just sticking to uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8 and verse 12. How to deal with trials in life. Now his letter is based on, of course, Jesus' teachings. I love James's style. He, he doesn't believe in tiptoeing around an issue. He's, he simply thinks there's a, there's a problem here and I'm going to deal with it. You need to grow up. You already know this stuff. So just do it. I, I love that. I think I have a bit of James's DNA in me. 
Um, anyway, Sunday just passed. 10 o'clock service. Helen was behind me. Heather was in front of me. My husband next to me. Katie got up to read the Bible and her little one, adding a few mummers for emotional impact. I thought, this is joy. Then John Ryan got up to preach on the opening to Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And what does John say? Now, it's not a direct quote. I didn't go back and listen to it on the podcast. But it was something like, think of a time in your life when you've had a terrible trial, so terrible that it took over your mind from morning till night. And I'm sitting just over there, and I thought, hang on a minute, John. That's what I'm saying on Thursday. Stop! But there's no such thing as a coincidence. It must be a message that God needs us to hear. He wants us to absorb it. In other words, obey. Because we're going to get it twice in less than a week. Now let's look closely at James 1 verses 2 to 4. If you've got your Bibles there, it would be a good idea to just sort of glance at it. Now these are a very hard couple of verses. Because James says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. What? Pure joy? Let me just think of that. Pure joy? Hmm, what is your understanding of joy? Well, some years back at Women's Church, we did a study. And it was a DVD series by um, Kay Warren, and it was called Choose Joy. And when we did it, you know, it was a number of years ago, and I was just a new Christian. And honestly, I, I found it a very uncomfortable series. Not because of what she was saying to me, but I couldn't get past the pain on her face. For people who may remember it, you, you may recall the feelings of that DVD series. Now, oh, it was just awful because we were watching a battle for her to choose joy in the worst of times. Now, I'm not a touchy-feely person at all, but all I wanted to do was to hold her because of the pain but she chose joy. Now joy in the book of Galatians, it's one of the fruits of the spirit, something we must cultivate in our heart and our mind through the work of the Holy Spirit. In Nehemiah, it is described as our strength. You may remember the verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's Nehemiah 8.10. And here in James 1, joy brings about endurance. Now you need to know that joy and happiness are not synonymous. My understanding is that happiness is fleeting, joy everlasting. I read an article in Crosswalk that explained the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is because of, joy is in spite of. 
Kay Warren, in Choose Joy, says that joy is deeper than happiness, lasts longer than excitement and is more satisfying than pleasure or thrills. Joy is richer, fuller, and it is accessible. Sisters, joy is not dependent upon circumstances. It comes from knowing that God is working in our lives, that Jesus is faithful, and that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Joy is being confident in that knowledge, even in the worst of times. Okay, let's dig a little bit deeper into trials. Now, I never call them trials. You know, I'll call them problems or troubles or disasters. I'll call them storms, hardship, suffering, painful experiences. But I'm sure that you'd agree with me that I wouldn't go out and find the word joy. Now, trials can be physically painful, emotionally painful, spiritually painful, or a combo of those. You need to know that trials are not caused by God, but they will be used by him to refine us and mature us. Every single one of us has faced trials and there are more to come. God is more concerned with our holiness than with our happiness. So trials are going to happen and that is a certainty. Now some trials are of our own making. Stupid choices we've made and the consequences. Some trials are because we live in a fallen world. Some trials are because we live for Jesus and people don't like it. Like the people that James wrote that letter to. Trials will always show us how much we do or do not lean on God. Trials may tempt us to give up our faith. Trials reveal who or what we love the most. Trials help us distinguish the important from the trivial. Trials will bring out our worst if we don't depend on God. And trials will bring out our worth if we do depend on him. The command to consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds isn't in the Bible to anger us or to confuse us or to trip us up. It isn't a trick. It is there to help us, to help us live our best lives, lives full of joy. In my head, when I read James, I can feel him taking me by the shoulders and giving me a bit of a shake, as if to say, wise up. I know you are suffering, but this isn't a time for a pity party. That will do you no good. Be sad, grieve. This trial does hurt, but turn to God in hope. Girls, I'm a, I'm a child of God, a follower of Jesus. I need to know this stuff. John Ryan said it on Sunday. You've been rescued by Jesus. James is dishing out some tough love. 
Sometimes we need a dose of that, even in tough times. Perhaps especially in tough times. James goes on to say, Know this, brothers and sisters, these trials, as awful as they are, they will reveal to you just how strong your faith is. You see, God already knows how strong your faith is. You need to know it. And they'll develop endurance in you. Our trials will refine us and make us mature and complete. Our trials, of course, we'd rather do without them. But they are strengthening our spiritual heart. God isn't giving us an option here to mature in our faith, to wise up. We must choose joy. What happens if we don't? Do we lose our salvation? No. There's no mention of that. But it might be a good idea to check that you are already saved. What would not obeying God look like? If we think that choosing joy is impossible for us, well, I think it would look a lot like walking with the world. It may very well look like one of the following. Running away from the trial by blaming God. Giving up in fear and frustration. Living a double life. Normalising sinful thoughts and sinful living because everyone else does. Blaming others, sometimes even God, for our sins instead of taking responsibility. It can look like putting our needs and our comforts, our whatever, before God. And the consequences of living like that would be we will stay spiritually immature and we'd have no worthwhile testimony to share with others. We wouldn't be fulfilling God's plans. And then there's always having to stand before God and explain ourselves. Now, if we choose joy, then that would look like not allowing the trial to define us. We'd feel the joy of finding God's help and wisdom as we depended upon God's promises. And, and one of the promises right there in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And of course there's the promise that Lily spoke about. There are so many promises in the Bible. Look, as a trial passes, we'd find that we've grown in maturity and our testimony would be worth telling. I know it's hard to consider trials true, but I know it is doable, at least to some extent. I'm nowhere near as mature as I should be, but I do speak from present personal experience. Our family is going through some big time trials at the moment, and really they are still in their infancy. Uh, at least one will continue to get worse and worse and worse. The thing is, they are part of my life. I am not immune. And without gilding the lily, I see blessings in them every day. One of the verses I have chosen to live by 
is Matthew 6.34. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. I choose to live in the blessings of this day and not the worries of tomorrow. I choose to sing for what he has done for me. Am I sometimes fearful? Yep. Am I intentional about seeing joy in them? Yes. Because the alternative is so much worse. God wouldn't be in the equation. And that I certainly do not want to contemplate. Okay. I want to draw your attention to verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom. Now, I read that as, oh, okay, some of you lack wisdom. But then I looked it up. And the if can be translated as since. So girls, read that as since you all lack wisdom. We will always lack wisdom. So feed your spiritual heart. Nourish it with scripture. Be hungry for God's word. Make it a lamp for your feet. Don't get so caught up in life's busyness and its distractions that you can't nourish your heart by reading the word daily. If Lily can do it with three young children, then we can do it too. If you have a tendency to read verses blandly, you know, a bit colourless, a bit flavourless, as if the purpose of the reading is simply to get to the end of the passage, read the Bible today, tick. That could be why you are glossing over the message, why you aren't tapping into God's wisdom, or why you forget it so quickly. Don't let the way you read rob you of nourishing the word that is already planted in your heart. If you read on, you'll see that. Let the word grow deep roots so that it will choke out the weeds of this world. Now, I have my Bible here. I read a different translation each year. Okay. This... My Bible is our meat and potatoes. Now I've got plenty of these. These are devotionals. And I, I read this one every day. But this is my dessert. It's an optional extra. We can't grow just on this. And to keep your heart nourished, forget the empty but very dangerous calories of the world. Now we're just going to finish up with verses 6 to 8 and then move on to 12. Um, James writes about doubting God's promises. Go right ahead and doubt yourself, but never doubt God. That is being double-minded. Having two bob each way. Keeping your options open. No. That is not walking the talk. It is, in James's word, 
like being a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Why would you receive anything from the Lord? Why would he guide you when you don't even expect him to deliver? Sisters, doubt limits the power of God in your life. So know God's promises. Believe them. Trust in them. Claim them. Embrace them. Stand on them. Pray them. Speak them aloud. That is passing the test of your faith with flying colours. Sisters, knowing God's promises and relying on them is wisdom in practice. It's wising up. It's receiving the crown of life that the Lord has promised in verse 12. Our reward for persevering through trials. It's a bit like a medal or a trophy at the end of a race. A bit of a gold star. Even just a special mention. A well done. I want a well done from God. The grace of God is at work in us, giving us the power to obey. The power to say your perfect will in your perfect way, Lord. The power to choose joy. In the words in the words of Psalm 126 verse 5. Those who sow with tears will weep, reap. Let me say it again. I'm getting that muddled up. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. What a verse. What a promise. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for teaching us the meaning of trials in our lives and for preparing us to face them with joy and for the wisdom to overcome them. You already know the depth of our faith, but help us discern how deep or shallow that faith is. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for rescuing us, for replacing our heart of stone with a heart of flesh, and for giving us every reason to choose joy despite our circumstances. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for living and working within us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.